chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible um, in front of you, in the pew in front of you, there's a, a Bible, and we'll be picking up on page 807, Matthew chapter 2. While you're finding that, do you remember a time when you were on a mission? I mean, just on mission, you know? You were time when you were so consumed, so committed, so laser-focused, so determined that you just went after. You couldn't, you couldn't, um, you couldn't stop. You know, Quinny, when stopping or failure was no, not in your vocabulary. Well, I want to tell you of a time as I was looking at this, I remembered in, in my life, uh, we were stationed upstate New York, me, uh, my wife, and my six kids. And it was June of 91, winter finally had come to pass. We were thawing out, and we were about to go visit our family in Maryland. I went over to PSD, the personal support detachment, to go pick up my leave papers. And I was advised, I was, I was greeted by this, uh, uh, this personnel, this, this petty officer, and he said, hey, I was just getting ready to come and find you. Got some news for you. You have an odd uh, org mod came in for you just today, and you are transferring immediately. Talking about going on mission, I was going on leave. Uh, I had or orders not to move until October, but now I've, my, my plans have been changed, and now I'm leaving immediately. Talking about being on mission, I had to check out for my um, duties, my present command. I had to gather up all of our our medical records because uh, where we were stationed in Scotia, the uh, hospital or the clinic was up in Boston Spa, and I had stuff up in Saratoga Springs, and I had to go get all of that. I had to prepare the, the rental house that I was renting to, to vacate. I had to secure a home in the Norfolk area because the ship was that I was going to was going to be homeported out of here. Yet I was going to meet the ship in uh, the Red Sea in support of Desert Shield. Had to get all my household goods in order. Had to find out how to to get them shipped down to a home that I knew not where I was going to stay. And in all of that, having to um, make sure that my family realized that everything was going to be all right. But God, I mean, that's a phrase that, that, that just always warms my heart, that just sends tingles through my soul. But God, he was on it. 
I found a house in five days. I arranged for the household goods to be packed and picked up. So I planned and went on a mini vacation to the Niagara Falls, visited some friends in Bedford, Massachusetts, stayed in the Coast Guard base in Baltimore, Maryland for a few days, and then got my family situated at my wife's grandparents or grandmother's two-bedroom, one-bath home. So that I could check in the Little Creek base for a week of schooling and then wait the flight to my ship. I was on mission so much that when I got to, uh, I, I finished my 30 days of leave and finished a week course. I was at my first day mustering at TPU for those that I say a lot of acronyms because that's what the Navy is, a lot of acronyms. It's a, a transit personnel unit. It's a place where folks that are waiting to, to be uh, restationed or being discharged, and usually they, they muster and they give out work details. So I showed up. Showed up when I was supposed to. I'm standing there to get mustered. I hear my name. I hear other people's names. Uh, being called and them being assigned work details. And my name gets called in. I wasn't assigned a work detail. I was told to just call in. I was a first class petty officer. I was like, what do you mean just call in? I'm thinking in my mind, what did I miss? What did I, I, I not do? Am I in trouble? What, what's going on here? And so I wait. I don't say anything. I don't want to seem ignorant at all. I mean, all these folks are here getting their work details and they tell me just all in. Don't want to complain about it. I'm okay. Well, cool. But, uh, but what did I miss? So on mission to get transited, to, to get tr uh, in transition from one command to another, what did I miss? Well, I went up to the petty officer, the mushroom petty officer afterwards, and everyone had been signed um, their, their, their work details. And I walked up to him and I said, you know, um, you just called me, to, told me just to call in. Why? <laughs> So he looked at me kind of strange and told me that uh, they don't assign chiefs work details. I was so on mission that I had totally forgotten that the chiefs list had come up. For those that don't realize what that is, is that I was a first class, I was an E6, and I had gotten promoted to E7. E7, or, well, I had promoted to chief. And chief, not like in the Marine Corps, Chief is a is a special is a special rate, a special time in your military career. And I had forgotten all about it to check to see if my name was on the list. We've been in this series, Shadows of Christmas, looking at those persons that are found in the Christmas story where Jesus is the star. We started by looking at Joseph and the shepherds, uh, Zachariah and Elizabeth, Simeon and Anna, and today we'll be looking at these folks from the east 
with an amazing display of faith and clearly on a mission. So let's start reading at verse 1. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea. For so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judea. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that had, had uh, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them, and two, it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening up, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just want to honor you today. So let the words that pass through my mouth be not mine, but yours. For Father, you know each and every heart that is here today. And Father, you know that each one of us does not need a message from me. We need a message from you. Let us listen intently for your voice. And may your voice fill our souls and move us to worship the King. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So the wise people still worship the King. The wise people still worship the king. We live in a culture today that it seems that there's a lot of excuses. There's a lot of folks that think that um, worshiping Jesus isn't popular anymore. For the next few moments, I'd like to share with you some thoughts on this event and challenge us to ask ourselves, how well do I worship the king? 
Point number one, wise people realize the road to the king is through faith. For by grace ye are saved through faith. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. How did wise men connect a star to the birth of the king? Some 500 years prior, a man by the name of Daniel, a Hebrew, in captivity in a land called Babylon, correctly interpreted, interpreted uh, King Nebuchadnezzar's dream and was promoted to be the head of all the wise men in Babylonian kingdom. While Daniel was praying, he was visited by the angel Gabriel. Pick, so now if you would pick up with me and uh, to read the account as it's written in Daniel 9, verses 21 through 26. Give you a few moments as you recall the, the story. Nicodemus had a dream. And he summoned all the wise folks, the magicians, the scientists, the uh, all of those the sorcerers, everybody who who was supposedly wise at the time to to interpret this dream. And so they all came. And they said, "Hey, you need to tell us what the dream is." And Nebuchadnezzar says, "I'm not I'm not boo boo the fool." If I tell you what the dream is, then you'll just make up something. Now, if you're so wise, you tell me what the dream is and the interpretation of it. And none of them could figure it out. And when Daniel um, had heard about this, he went and he prayed to the Lord. And God gave him the interpretation of the, the vision. And so Nebuchadnezzar, being satisfied about the vision that the interpretation that was given, he promoted Daniel to being the head of all the wise men in his whole kingdom. And so we see here, years after, Daniel is sitting here and, um, around 70 years captivity. He's reviewing uh, the prophecy that Isaiah and Jeremiah had provided, and, and he comes to realize that it's, it's time. And so we pick up in verse 21. While I was speaking, talking about Daniel, in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in a vision at the first, came to me in swift flight at the time of the evening sacrifice. He made me understand, speaking with me, and saying, Oh, Daniel. I have now come out to give you insight and understanding. At the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out, and I have come to tell it to you, for you are greatly loved. I mean, when I think of that, when I think of the words that Jesus continuously tells me in my spirit, I'm greatly loved. 
even when I'm not loving myself. You know, because before this, I mean, Daniel is just laying out of his, his heart of the sin that his nation has, has committed, the sins of him, but yet here he wants to be. He re realizes that I'm greatly loved. Therefore, consider the words and understand the vision. Seventy weeks are the creed about your people and your holy city to finish the transgression, to put an end to sin, and to atone for iniquity, to bring an everlasting righteousness, to seal both vision and prophet, and to anoint a most holy place. Know therefore and understand that from the going out of the word, out of the word to restore and build Jerusalem to the coming of an anointed one, a prince. There shall be seven weeks. Then for 62 weeks, it shall be built again with squares and moats. But in a troubled time, and after 62 weeks, the anointed one shall be cut off and shall have nothing. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Its end shall come with a flood, and to the end there shall be war. Desolations are decrees. This promise would be passed down some 16 generations that would spark these wise men to step out in faith to find this anointed one, the Messiah. You can put the, uh, the 70 week slide up, please. Thank you. I'm not going to explain all the inferences in the prophecy. However, for the sake of the wise men looking forward and interpreting the writing, the prophecy states that the temple would be reconstructed in the seventh week, taking consideration that seven weeks equals seven years. Uh, that would equal or translate into 49 years. And so we have the, the rebuilding of Jerusalem in 49 years. And then there's this uh, period of 62 weeks. And again, times seven, which would be 434 years that would lead up to the Messiah's coming. This along with the phenomenon of the of an astronaut logical event during the time around when the wise men were diligently watching and waiting catapulted them to, to move, to seek to worship the Messiah. Following his stars, stars as stated in verses 2. Can you imagine leaving the comforts and the familiarity, the reality of your life to follow some 500-year-old prophecy in a star? However, it was their calling. <laughs> they exercised their faith and went to worship the king of kings. It was exciting for them. They were waiting for that day. They were waiting for that call. Wise people are always prepared to go. They realize that the same God that led the wise men to Jesus continues to lead wise people to accomplish his will. 
Many times they don't know how it'll end up. But they're confident that if they are for God, then the end must be glorious. I wonder today if we position ourselves to be ready to be called upon by God to go. Has God placed a burning desire for you to move from by faith from being comfortable as a, a group member to be a group leader? Oh yeah, I'm, I'm advertising. We need group leaders. Amen. <laughs> We're feeling a nudge to exercise your faith and move from being on the sidelines to getting into the game. If so, I encourage you to engage with one of the ministry leaders, whether you want to be with uh, um, groups or up here in the worship, you want to be at guest services or in the sound, I encourage you to engage with one of these ministry leaders or, or even your deacon or even us. Or even, oh, I don't have it with me. Even place it on your connection card. And we'll engage with you. And we promise not to be like the folks in the next few verses bringing up us to point number two. Not all people with a title are wise. Now the star is no longer visible and the wise men have journeyed for some time there the capital of the Jews, and thus they inquire of Herod, titled King of the Jews, where is he born King of the Jews? There's a little bit of play on words there. You can think about this. I mean, this is your typical drama story. Everything is working well in the beginning. The, the wise men see the stars. They got prophecy. They're on their way. And then cue in the seemingly innocent, however, so very bad guy, Herod. So who was Herod? Herod had been on the throne of Israel for 40 years. In 47 B.C., Julius Caesar made Herod's father the governor of Judea after Herod's father had uh, saved him or rescued him. In the siege in Alexandria, Egypt, Herod's father died in 43 B.C. In 40 B.C., uh, a group called the Parthians, uh, which are the Iranians today, attacked the Roman Empire's eastern side and briefly occupied Judea. Herod escaped being Herod's, uh, well, being, he escaped and um, and fled to Rome. And the Roman Senate named him king of the Jews and gave him a Roman army and told him to retake Judea, uh, which he did in 37 B.C. Side note, Herod's family's line came through Esau, not Jacob, thus not having the line of David that we typically talk about 2020 hindsight. Herod commissioned large building projects 
including expansion of the Temple of Jerusalem, which some began to call Herod's Temple. You see a little problem there? Herod killed hundreds of innocent people, including everyone he considered a threat to his throne, including three of his own sons, two of his brother-in-law, a mother-in-law. No, I'm going to keep that one. And Miriam, who was said to be his favorite wife. He had ten wives. On his deathbed, Herod realized that the Jews would celebrate, not mourn his death. So to ensure that the Jews mourned when he died, Herod commanded Jewish nobles from across Israel to be uh, to, to come and meet with them in Jericho. When they arrived, he put them in this thing called a hippodrome and ordered all of them to be killed when he died. Herod's sister, however, prevented that massacre by countermanding the rites after his death. As you can see, Herod was a ruthless governor or ruler, so you can imagine his concern when asked where is he that is born the king of the Jews? The rightful owner of the throne, the fulfillment of the promise given to the prophets. Herod and the religious leaders were not looking or seeking for the rightful heir of David's throne. The king in which Gabriel had told Daniel would finish the transgression, put an end to sin would atone for iniquity, would bring in an everlasting righteousness, would seal both vision and prophet and to anoint a most holy place. Herod was concerned about one thing, his legacy. His 40 years of work, his name, his title, which would mean nothing compared to this king. Notice the response in verse 8. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that too, I too, may come and worship him. However, his intentions are revealed in what he did in verse 16. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise man, became furious. And he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem. And in all that region who were two years older or under, according to the time that he had discerned from the wise men. There are a lot of folks you may come across with titles and claims to be seeking to worship the king, but are nothing but imitators of the treachery of Herod. They consider themselves wise, but are not wise at all. In the closing remarks in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, we recall that Jesus said, one that hears what he says and does it, it would be like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. However, the one who hears what he says and doesn't do it would be like the foolish man who built his house upon the sand. Be aware of whom you think to be wise, especially those with positions and titles. 
Point number three is the wise people rejoice in worshiping the king. Wise people rejoice in worshiping the king. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that had been seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Can you imagine the joy when they saw the star shining brighter than any of the celestial bodies guiding them again on their mission to find the king? Now, many of you probably know that feeling. You know, you're on a trip and maybe you've made it several times before, but not too recently. And you're driving along and you're looking at the stuff on each side of the road and you don't recognize the, the landmarks. You're getting a little bit anxious as you're driving and kind of starts to feel like time is just passing you by. You think it's been hours. You're getting a little bit worried that it's only been a few minutes. And then you see it, that unmistakable landmark that confirms you are going in the right direction. I mean, you become overwhelmed, don't you, with joy. And if you're with your wife, you also get much relief. Uh, the wise men are back on track. And soon come to the place where the child, Jesus, and not the baby, Jesus, is. Mission accomplished, right? I mean, they found the baby. Or they found the child, I'm sorry. But no, that wasn't their mission. Their mission was to worship the king. Anything less would be a failure, a disappointment. I wonder how many of us, Sunday after Sunday, miss the mark of worshiping the King. I mean, we wake up, we get dressed, we leave the house, we make the journey, we find a parking space, we shuffle into the sanctuary, we give some greetings to several of our friends and visitors. We mouth the words on the screen, search for something to put in the offering plate and quickly exit so not to be inconvenienced to get out of the parking lot to go to lunch. D.A. Kimbrew writes about uh, worship. There are numerous definitions of the word worship. Yet one in particular 
encapsulates the priority we should give to worship as a spiritual discipline. Worship is to honor with extravagant love and extreme submission, as defined in Webster's Dictionary of 1828. True worship, in other words, is defined by the priority we place on who God is in our lives and where God is on our prior list of priorities. True worship is a matter of the heart expressed through a lifestyle of holiness. Listen to David's comments on worship on Psalm 9. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. I wonder if you've had some wonderful deeds happen in 2019 that you can express and you can recount. I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praises to your name, O Most High. Or how about Paul's plea in the beginning of Romans chapter 12 where he, where he, he writes, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy. You can't tell me that in 2019 you haven't been aware of God's mercy. To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. These wise men were not going to be deprived of their ultimate goal, to worship the Messiah. They entered into the house, bowed down and showed a submission and offered him their gifts. Should we not be bringing our worship with us? What we display here should be an overflow of the beauty of our God and God's holiness through an extravagant and ex exaggerated love we have for him and a longing to live in extreme and excessive submission to our Lord and Savior. There should be a, nothing more important during this time of corporate worship than us honoring him that loved us so much that he would come and take upon himself the wrath we deserve and give us life and life more abundantly. Yet it seems in churches when we come to worship, we seem more interested in what did I get out of it? Rather than what worship did I get? The wise men were convinced there was nothing more important to their quest than to give worship. Offering their time, their talents, and their treasures to the one that would save his people from, his, from their sins. If we're not careful, 
we can become complacent in our worship and we'll find ourselves as Israel did when God said to the prophet Isaiah, their worship was unacceptable in God's sight. So I ask you this morning, is your worship acceptable to God? Can you praise his holiness? Are you clean inside and out? Does your worship express your exaggerated love and extreme submission to God? In closing, the worship men, the wise men, displayed faith by their action. They went and they worshiped. James writes, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. Do you believe in God? Is you believe that God is one? You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? The wise men came upon those with titles that weren't wise. And we see throughout Jesus' ministry, many unwise people with stature and position that would be baffled by the wisdom and authority Jesus possessed. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. The wise men came to worship the king. I wonder how you entered into the sanctuary this morning. Did you bring your worship with you? With all heads bowed, I, I wonder if you are like the wise men. I've seen a star. And I'm seeking to worship the king. That when you walked in today, you were on mission to express and display your total love and extreme submission to Jesus, the king. If not, it's my prayer that you would make worship a non-negotiable priority in your life. Lord, I thank you for this time. This time of reflection. This time as we close out year 2019 and enter into a new year. New challenges, yet new blessings. As Pastor mentioned, as we pray this morning, grace upon grace upon grace. And Father, because of your, your beauty, your love, you are worthy of our worship. And Father, we enter into your sanctuary differently. More wise. Seeking to worship you. And not just as we gather. But as Pastor said, Monday through Sunday, 365, 24 hours a day. 
Let our worship be true. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand and worship with